Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about how the law intersects with same-sex couples because it's kind of the end of Pride Month and we're wrapping up Pride Month in June. Every month is Pride Month, I think. But yes, June is recognized as Pride Month. So we thought we would talk about the topics that relate to same-sex couples, the LGBTQ community, um, and all of those things as a homage to Pride. I think it's really cool um, seeing... Uh, businesses flying rainbow flags and people doing like their logo or a commercial that maybe um, indicates that they're supportive of um, the same-sex LGBTQ um, community. And we changed our logo for the month to rainbow colors to show that we are supportive of all people. Yes, and we... um, you know, I think it's really helpful for our listeners to know that we are a progressive law firm. We are progressive um, women lawyers and that we support the LGBTQ community all year. Um, we really enjoy supporting the Pride Festival and activities in June, but every month is a um, Pride Month for us. Talk about how the law supports, doesn't support, what we can do, but what's been new with you? So I'm trying to, I have a lease on my vehicle and I'm trying to get another lease. And when you lease a vehicle, you get a brand new car. uh, And, you know, there's this car shortage. So trying to find the right car, the car that I want, they're not available. And lacking chips, not tortilla (laughs) chips. Right. And you have to... um, you know, your lease is a contract, very legal. So I have a certain amount of time in which to either give them my car back, buy the car from them, or start a new lease. Or start riding your bike to work. Because you don't live very far and you like to ride. Uh, I have been riding my bike to work. I do have a goal of riding my bike to work one day a month or a week while it's warm. But now it's like 100. So I don't really want to do one day that. a year. <laughs> start with that. I did, I have been investigating some sort of scooter as an interim yes. <laughs> car issue problem. Really? Yeah. So I might be the lawyer who scooters. That's scoots. great. Well, we wanted the segue. You could get a segue still. No way. You've no seen way me, segue. You've seen me segue. <laughs> uh, that is not going to happen. You didn't fall or anything. Almost. Well, you would get good at it. I don't think so. Those things are not intuitive how they're spo- for for me. They're, no. So I've been taking Spanish classes, um, and recently I'm now doing three activities a week, um, practicing Spanish, listening to Spanish. Um, on Monday evenings, Deanna Pina, another lawyer in our office, and I are going to the South Omaha Legal Clinic um, and just chatting with anyone that walks in. It's a free legal clinic. It's volunteer time for us. 
So that's been really interesting and awesome as a good way to use both our legal skills and Spanish skills to help people. And then we've been doing an inner office Spanish Zoom class with Tara, Wrighton, Deanna, and I, and just doing some legal Spanish phrases so we can kind of um, learn that new vocabulary. What... um what legal words have you learned recently? Like what are three or four legal terms that you learned in Spanish that you didn't know before? Well, something that's really funny, uh, I think I saw a meme once that, and I'm going to get this wrong. So there's el corte and there's la corte. So the word corte either means cut or court. Oh, so it depends on get which. It right. Yeah, it depends on whether you use the L or the law. And I think it's el corte is the court, courthouse. And la corte is a cut, like a stabbing cut. Yeah, because you could be committing, you know, a threatening act by telling someone you're going to take them to court. Um, So I had a Spanish class last night on Zoom and I was eating applesauce as uh, just before the class started. So I thought, I wonder how you say applesauce in Spanish. So I looked it up. Now I don't remember what it was, though. I wrote it down. I have to look is it my... apple and sauce, or is it like a whole nother word? So you actually can say it salsa de manzana, which is salsa of apple. But there's an actual <laughs> word. I think it's c- cosa. Huh. I might be wrong. But anyway, so That's Spanish exciting. has been um, something. You know, I have a minor in Spanish um, from undergrad, and I really am in a place in my life that I would like to get back up to speed on that. So that's my goal. Did you practice um, during Cinco de Mayo? No, did you I do didn't. any Cinco de Mayo activities. Um, I did have nachos on Cinco de Mayo the day that Cinco de Mayo was um, observed this year, which was in June. So I did have nachos. <laughs> it was from El Chicano Mexican Bistro, so we like to support local um, businesses. So, are nachos really a Mexican food? I don't. I don't know. Or is it like an American Americanized version? You know, I don't know. I mean, nachos are is my favorite food group. Yeah, I love nachos. It's basically a salad. Yes. With cheese and chips. But no meat for you. <laughs> no. Right. No, but certain people put... Beans. Put, some people put meat on their nachos. Not, I do. Not yeah, meat. Yeah, all the meat. So, um, Pride Month. Yeah, we're also going to be a sponsor at the Pride Festival, which is the Heartland Pride Festival. It's actually being held in July. Um, so we're really excited about that. We think we are going to be in the parade. Um, I shouldn't announce that, but now we have to be. <laughs> so here we are. We're going to be in the parade. And this is our third or fourth year sponsoring. So we have a really cool giveaway at our table. So all of you listening, make sure you come to the actual um, festival with the booths because we are going to have fun activities and a giveaway that I would like so if no one comes, I'm keeping it. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool way to meet some of our staff, too. I mean, I don't know who's all going to be there this year, but we all will go and hang out at the booth and meet people and introduce ourselves. And Remember pre-COVID, so it would have been 2019, we gave away sunglasses. Sungla- Rainbow. Yes. Rainbow sunglasses. I still have a pair in my pool bag. That's like my pool sunglasses. They were amazing. I love those sunglasses. And I think we had 500. They were uh, they were very popular at the Pride Festival because a lot of people gave away koozies or keychains or kind of like the same old, same old. A lot of different areas of the law 
relate to same-sex couples and how they are or are not different or treated differently now. And obviously, Obergefell came down in 2015. 15, perfect. Um, When Obergefell came down, that was the law from the United States Supreme Court that said same-sex couples can marry. That was a long time coming. It supported a lot of things that same-sex couples then now have the benefit of, like inheritance, non-inheritance tax, um, the ability to adopt, and things like that. But one of the areas that's been really interesting in our office that you know we kind of have a little bit of a niche of expertise is surrogacy. I wouldn't even say a little bit. I would say a lot. I mean, this is a pretty complicated area of the law. And surrogacy isn't just for same-sex couples. It's for a lot of people enter into a surrogacy agreement that, you know, aren't in a same-sex relationship. But for some, for, you know, two men to have a child together, they need, obviously, they either adopt or they use a surrogate. Right. And when we have same-sex um Two women who either one is the carrying mother or the they use a surrogate. Sometimes that happens as well. There's still some adoption procedures, maybe not adoption procedures. There's been some really interesting updates in the law that actually our office had a huge part in with the legislature that created what's called an acknowledgement of maternity. And that really was created based on all surrogacy, but has benefited and will benefit same-sex couples as well. So do you want to explain, because you really are probably the most experienced attorney in our office, about what had to happen before this change in the law, briefly, and then like how the change in the law made makes surrogacy a little bit easier in Nebraska? Yeah, so prior to the law change two years ago, When a child was born of a surrogacy, the biologically related parent, so typically the mother was the non-carrying parent, had to adopt her own child. So you had a surrogate who was carrying an egg and a sperm, um, you know, an embryo, and then gave birth to the child. Well, what happens in Nebraska, um, slightly non-progressive state, was whoever the baby's slightly whoever the body the baby came out of was listed as the birth mom on the birth certificate and so ultimately what would happen is the biologically related mother whose egg created the baby had to adopt her own child then what happened was the adoption has to take place or had to take place six months after the child was born so here we have a new mom who just so happened to have another person carry their child, has no relation to the child until the child turns six months old. So you think about all of those um, uh, medical appointments and things like that that you have to have your birth certificate at, and your name's not listed on that birth certificate. So with the change in law, we created a acknowledgement of maternity form, so the surrogate the surrogate woman carrying the child then just acknowledges that this biologically related mother signs um, the acknowledgement of maternity, and then the actual biological mom gets put on the birth certificate. 
So if we have same-sex um, female couples, we can use that acknowledgement of maternity as well. And that negates the need for a adoption. It can, although now our office will still recommend an adoption as a very ironclad um, seal to a relinquishment of the sperm donor's rights. If there, um, if there hasn't ever been a relinquishment before, so if sperm come from what most people know as a sperm bank, typically that person has already given up their rights or relinquished. Um, if it has not been provided from a sperm bank, then we often will still suggest an adoption so that that person who provided the sperm um, no longer can say later, hey, I'm the biological um, person of this child and claim any rights to the child. Holy cow, that's complicated. And, right, we also have surrogacy contracts, which we can talk about later, but if anyone, same-sex couple or otherwise, is doing, uh, would you know, is thinking about getting pregnant through a surrogacy, we would suggest that you contact an attorney who's experienced in this area. Yeah, absolutely. So a surrogacy contract is typically um, the actual thing that the clinic requires. So they will require a contract between the surrogate and biological parents before they will do an embryo transfer. Another way that isn't quite so complicated that we support the um, LGBTQ community at our law firm is that we take, you know, lots of cases involving same-sex couples like divorce cases or um, adoption cases or guardianship cases, which they run exactly the same, whether the per- whether it's a same-sex couple or an opposite-sex couple. So if... Um, same-sex couples married and they decide they want to get divorced, you know, the process is, is exactly the same. There's no difference. There's no, um, you know, there's no scarlet letter on the case. Like this is a same-sex divorce. And a lot of times the judges don't even really realize it. I think when we're going through a case, unless we're in court and the two people have to come in and testify. Absolutely. And you know, oftentimes we find that people will call our office and either already know that we are LGBTQ friendly um, or they specifically ask that question because they do not want to be represented by an attorney who is not supportive of the LGBTQ community. Um, And we are very clearly allies of the community. Um, Some of our employees identify as queer. um, And so when we're in uh, representing our our clients that are of the LGBTQ community, they're treated the same and with respect and as a client, just like anyone else. And yeah, the case will will go the same. And I, I was really excited um, when Obergefell passed for the ability of same-sex couples to adopt. Yes. Um, because there, there's, there's just a lot of... There are children that live with people who aren't their parents in, you know, um, through foster care, through familial relationships, or just, you know, a capable family is taking care of a child that isn't their child. And once there's an adoption, there's a legal protection for that child and for those parents to solidify the relationship that's already there. So 
um, in Nebraska before Obergefeld, um, two unmarried people couldn't adopt. So like, for example, Tracy and I couldn't decide to adopt a child together. We're not married. But if we got married as a same-sex couple, we could now adopt a child together. We are partners in business, not life. <laughs> but yes, as that example. Um, so yeah, when same-sex couples couldn't marry prior to Obergefell, they also then couldn't adopt because two unmarried people can't adopt. So um, you know, with surrogacy issues and things like that, none of that was possible before as well. Another area where, you know, a, a married couple gets a benefit that now same-sex couples just naturally get be- after Obergefell was through inheritance. Obergefell allowed same-sex couples to marry, which also meant that same-sex couples who are married don't have to pay a higher inheritance tax um, because when one spouse dies, they get to inherit information or they get to inherit assets from their spouse and maybe information and (laughs) yes sometimes you inherit information after a divorce you didn't know before um so or after a death right so that was a really huge piece of obergefell that either was going to allow same-sex couples to marry or um recognize their marriage as a marriage in the state that they lived in because inheritance tax can be very high for unrelated or non-married people. So that was a really huge benefit that in our estate planning department, in our office, you know, we can really take into consideration just the same as any um, heterosexual couple in their estate plan as well. One of the things, too, that I think it, it just recognizes that just because someone is in a same-sex marriage that they shouldn't be treated differently Um, they get the same rights and, you know, it's that idea. It's kind of a privilege thing, right? The same sex couples had to work really hard and get creative and do different things to be able to inherit from each other. And not everyone has the money to go to a great estate planning attorney and get this really complicated estate plan, um, that opposite sex couples didn't ever have to even think about. They didn't have to maybe jump through all those hoops. So the idea that everyone is entitled to the same thing, the same rights under under the law is is pretty powerful. So another piece that Obergefell helped is most employers, especially in Nebraska, didn't recognize um, same-sex couples as unmarried for health insurance purposes. So Now for um, all married couples and most employer plans, you can be on your family plan because you are recognized as married. And so when we look at divorce situations, you know, we look at health insurance plans just the same way as child support calculators or, um, you know, ex-spouse post-decree coverage, all of those things as we look at health insurance just the same in any divorce situation. What was that term that was being used before Obergefell that was, it was, it wasn't common law marriage. It was like life part. Civil union. Civil union. That's it. Um, And there were some employers in Nebraska that would recognize a civil union for health insurance purposes, but not many. Um, I think the Omaha Police Department recognized. The city of Omaha, I think they did. 
yeah, yeah. before. And I, I, but I think it got pushed pretty hard by maybe the, the Omaha Police Union. So that's kind of a, one area maybe, you know, we're a little bit more progressive, maybe. That's why I said slightly. <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Well, and that's Omaha. That's not the state of Nebraska. Another area that I really enjoy helping people is um, specifically with transgender folks and name changes. So, you know, when we have a transgender client who wants to use a preferred name to um, for their preferred gender, we can help them with the name change. The process is exactly the same. Oftentimes, the name change process can be pretty simple for someone to do pro se on their own without a lawyer. But that can be really scary, especially if you're going into court, you know, talking about the reason you want to change your name is because your preferred gender is different than your birth gender. Um, Some judges aren't as progressive um, to understand why that's happening. And so we we really enjoy helping those clients in that situation and saying, you know, I'm going to be there with you in the courtroom. Um, It is a very quick, short hearing. Um, Sometimes it's less than five minutes, but you know, we know going to court can be scary for the people that don't go to court all the time and that we can walk in and we know exactly where to go and this is easy. We know the judges. Um, But I think that that can be a really scary process that I really enjoy helping our transgender friends go through that name change process. And then from there, they will have their new name on their birth certificate, social security card, driver's license. And we just had um, a client who posted that she is now using her name um, on her voter registration card. And I thought that was so cool. Like, I hadn't thought about that. You get to change your name on your voter registration, yeah. too. How cool. So, love is love. Um, we support Pride Month. We're, we're, it's so great seeing all the, the rainbows everywhere. Um, because who doesn't like rainbows in general? <laughs> I, I love rainbows. Uh, I mean, if you add a unicorn, that's even better, but... Those were my favorite Lucky Charm. The rainbow. The rainbow marshmallows? Yeah. Well, yeah. Didn't they taste better, too? I kind of wonder if they all tasted the same. They were all just exploded sugar with different colors on so them. So also listeners should know that Susan likes sugary, sugar, sugar things. I do. And gummy things. So most of those things come in rainbowy colors. I saw that they... You can buy the Lucky Charms that's just the marshmallows. Oh. <laughs> that would be a little much. But I do think there should be more marshmallows to charm to the cereal pieces. The ratio. The ratio is totally off. Yeah. Um, here's a funny story, quick story that we can end on um, about rainbows, sort of. My brother's a prankster. And growing up, we did not have sugared cereals unless it was like a special occasion. And every once in a while, my mom would buy us like a full size box as a treat. And mine, mine was Lucky Charms and my brother got to pick his. And I think he liked like a chocolate one, like Cocoa, Cocoa Puffs, Puffs or yes. something. He opened the bottom of the Lucky Charms oh, no. and slit the bag open and oh, dumped no. it out and sorted all the mushrooms out. Mushrooms. Mush- marshmallows. <laughs> Are there mushroom marshmallows in there? No. That's a whole different cereal. <laughs> but I went, to, so the top hadn't been opened and I was like, oh, I'm going to get my treat cereal and I poured myself a bowl and it, there was no marshmallows. So I was like, oh, that's weird. And I shook up the box a little. I poured another bowl and I was like, oh, I got 
really take it? You know, where's my marshmallows? They're stolen, whatever. I, I mean, I didn't think my, I had no idea that that's what had happened. It I don't need product defect. That's what I thought it, it was. And that's why you became a lawyer. <laughs> Good story. No, but yeah, that <laughs> I think he confessed. Uh, I did not end up getting a replacement box. So, or that's why you wanted to become a brain surgeon. No, <laughs> I don't right. think that's it either. But uh, yeah, that's my story about rainbows and childhood. But I still, you know, love rainbows and Lucky Charms. So come find us at the Pride Festival, which is July 10th. Uh, we will be in the parade. We've now said we are going to, so we need to uh, promise on that. And our our slogan and motto this year is be loud and be proud. So come find us, engage in our fun games at our booth. And if any listeners out there uh, are need an LGBTQ-friendly attorney, we are a proud ally for any time of the year, any type of case. All the time. 100%. So thanks for listening to our Pride episode and happy Pride Month. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.